MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. Very kind. Hello, John. Nice to see you. Welcome, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Hey. Come on. Come on. How about yesterday's men's football games? Two, two thrilling conference championship nail biters is what I heard after getting back from watching a Broadway show. And let me just say this. If you haven't seen David Byrne's American Utopia, it is a total... I mean... It is a total home run. And now the Super Bowl matchup is set. The star-studded L.A. Rams versus the upstart Cincinnati Bengals. This is the most exciting thing to happen in Cincinnati since they found all that spaghetti under their chili. Now, according to every single ad I see anywhere on any show I watch, sports gambling is mandatory. So... Here's my hot tip. Here's my hot tip. Always bet based on which mascot would defeat the other mascot. So, Rams, they got horns, but I don't see any kind of sheep taking down a Bengal tiger, okay? 800 pounds, apex predator, razor-sharp retractable claws. Anyway, put it all on... Which city is that? Which one is that? That one, Cincinnati. Put it all on that one. All the focus will be on the top two helmet boys, Rams quarterback and golden retriever who wished to be a man, Matthew Stafford, and Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, seen here about to chase James Bond on a snowmobile. (laughs) Of course, of course, the biggest moment yesterday came at halftime of the Bengals-Chiefs game when there was a bit of an issue with the sound mix here on CBS. See if you can spot it. Welcome you back to Arrowhead Stadium at the Verizon Halftime Report, the official 5 Street Network of the NFL Verizon. I'm James Brown. As we welcome Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Walker Hayes. Last week, he's got time filled, and he's burning them. The question is, and the answer is time. That's what Patrick Mahomes... Perfect sound. For anyone who wishes their halftime report was more like a date in a loud bar. You like Patrick Mahomes? Uh, what? Oh, give you your hat? You want to go home? I thought this was going well. But whether you're into the Rams or the Bengals, there's truly only one NFL goat. Tampa Bay Buccaneer and Abercrombie Mannequin. An Abercrombie Mannequin, you swear just blinked, Tom Brady. This weekend, there was some big news. After 22 seasons and seven rings, Tom Brady may be retiring. So, bad news for your dad. There's a new retiree about to dominate the pickleball league. (laughs) Brady, Brady retiring would end a legendary career. He's accomplished more than any other quarterback to play the game, even though he was drafted 199th overall. Which just goes to show you, anyone can be successful as long as you're one of the most gifted and attractive people in human history. (laughs) Now, it might be a minute before old Tom can put on his sweatpants and go mall walking, because if he stays on the roster until the end of this week, he'll receive a $15 million signing bonus this Friday. Wow. 
I don't, I'd work four more days for $15 million. <laughs> I'd even tape a show on Friday. <laughs> not this, I got a thing, but not this Friday, but some other Friday. Of course, Brady is known for more than just football. He's also been following a special diet so strict that on my show, I had to pressure him into eating his first strawberry and chugging a beer. But now that Brady appears to be hanging up the old football skates, the world may finally see what we've all longed for, Dad Bod Brady. <laughs> Do it. Give us hope, Tom. Do it. One Florida resident who will not go away is former President Julius Geezer. <laughs> While the January 6th Select Committee continues to look for the cause of the Capitol riot, the cause admitted to everything and threatened to do it again. He was down in Texas this weekend holding a rally because his father didn't hug him enough. <laughs> and unlike the former president, the January 6th rioters have actually faced some legal consequences. And he was not happy about it, and he made this promise. If I run and if I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons. Well, as long as you're doling out pardons, f you. Pardon my French. Now, what a, what a weird platform to run on for president. I will pardon violent criminals. That hasn't happened since the famous campaign slogan, tip a canoe and murder all you want. <laughs> Former president is currently under investigation in New York and Georgia, and he told the MAGA heads what he wanted them to do if he got indicted. If these radical, vicious, racist prosecutors do anything wrong or illegal, I hope we are going to have in this country the biggest protest we have ever had in Washington, D.C., in New York, in Atlanta, and elsewhere. So to recap, he's saying, I didn't send a mob to murder Congress, but if I ever face any consequences, kill my pretties, kill, kill! <laughs> he has fly! He has the international symbol for flying monkey. <laughs> he has absolutely no remorse about unleashing the mob, and he'll do it again. But a bipartisan group of senators are trying to make sure it never happens again. Yesterday, Maine Senator Susan Collins revealed she was working on a bill that would get rid of the ambiguities in election law that led some administration officials to argue that Vice President Mike Pence had the authority to throw out states' electoral votes. The former president took to his not-Twitter to complain about that, and because I no longer do an impression of that guy anymore, that statement will be read by someone with his same level of emotional maturity, a seven-year-old boy. And the vice president, Mike Pence, had absolutely no right to change the presidential election results in the Senate, despite fraud and many other irregularities. How come the Democrats and rhino Republicans like wacky Susan Collins are desperately trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results of the election? 
They have to pass the legislation now. The kid is. Just the sound is wonderful. Here's the deal. They have to pass that legislation now, but because before you did this, no one was deranged enough to try it. It's like a zoo having to put up a sign that says, please do not get naked, roll yourself in bacon fat, and break into the lion cage. Looking at you, Carl. The former president went on to take aim at Pence. Actually, what they are saying is that Mike Pence did have the right to change the outcome. And they now want to take that right away. Unfortunately, he didn't exercise that power. He could have overturned the election. He just said the secret words, overturn the election. That's admitting he tried to stage a violent coup. Johnny, tell the people what he gets. Still no consequences for some reason. We live in hell. Back to you, Steve. Thanks, Johnny. We want none. That's all we want. That's all we want. Well, oh, in COVID news, there's slightly less of it around the country. Cases are declining, which is why some state officials are saying it's time for Americans to get back to their normal lives while continuing to prepare for the next inevitable surge. <laughs> wow, that good news took a hard turn halfway through. That's like an airline pl pilot saying, uh, well, folks, looks like we're gonna have you on the ground just a hair ahead of schedule because we've lost our engines and are plummeting toward Cleveland. <laughs> Flight attendants, uh, cross-check. <laughs> Even Dr. Anthony Fauci agrees COVID might be going down, but it's not going away. What we would hope that as we get into the next weeks to month or so, we'll see throughout the entire country the level of infection get to below what I call that area of control. Control means you're not eliminating it, you're not eradicating it, but it gets down to such a low level that it's essentially integrated into the general respiratory infections that we have learned to live with. Basically, it's still there, and we just have to learn to live with it. it, it COVID is like the tramp stamp of Smash Mouth lyrics you got in the 90s. <laughs> it's not going away. We just have to learn with the fact that all that glitters is gold, only shooting stars break the mold. <laughs> but some... Body. Some folks... <laughs> always ready. But some folks are still mad at Dr. Fauci for knowing things. Specifically, Kentucky congressman and boy asking to spend recess with teacher Thomas Massey. <laughs> Yesterday, Congressman Massey tweeted, you mustn't question Fauci, for he is science, with the quote, to learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. Voltaire. Okay, first of all, you can criticize whomever you want, even Fauci. Personally, I think he could have given us a little more leg on his in-style cover. <laughs> okay, don't be a calf tease. The thing is, that quote isn't from Voltaire, but rather from Kevin Alfred Strom, a notorious neo-Nazi who was convicted on child porn charges in 2008. Okay, Congressman got that one a little wrong. But Massey did post a second quote to clarify, all that glitters is gold, only shooting stars break the mold. Winston Churchill. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up... Meanwhile. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, John. Uh, dear friend of the show, Whoopi Goldberg, is oh, going to be yes. up here in just a moment. Woo! Always a delight. And I've wanted to talk to this guy for a while, Congressman Ro Khanna, who from Silicon Valley. That's basically mm-hmm. what he represents out there. He's got a new yeah. book called Dignity in the Digital Age. Yes, yes. I'm just curious. Are you worried about private, your privacy at all? You know, the cat is out of the bag. It's, our information is out there. Right. I don't know what's left. I got, I the, I got Alexa and the Siri in my house. I got both of those things. And I believe they're all spying on us. How could they not be? They wouldn't hear us say, hey, Siri, or, or Alexa. Yeah. And now people's Alexas are waking up all over the United States <laughs> to say that. <laughs> right now, right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it, even when you look on your phone, after you've had a conversation, yep. you'll see things that pop up that were a part of your conversation. Yeah, and they'll go, hey, would you like to go buy that thing you were talking about? And I was like, how you know that I was talking about that? And Siri goes, I don't know what you're talking about, John. (laughs) (laughs) Here's some names of some therapists. That's right, yeah, it just lays it out, so... Never know, never know. Folks, you know, I spent a lot of time right over there, carefully planting and tending to the day's biggest, most important stories, trimming the topical hedges with delicate exactitude. Researching and seeding the soil of today's news in order to yield the most beautiful, fragrant joke flowers and precisely timing the blooming, the exquisite English garden that is my nightly monologue. But sometimes, just sometimes, folks, I drive a 2003 Pontiac Sunfire through a Home Depot garden center, down a jug of miracle Grow, smear my body in mud and pea gravel, build a fort out of pavers, plop a succulent dish garden on my head and barricade myself inside a portable tool shed to create the paranoid backyard standoff of news that is my segment. Meanwhile... (laughs) Meanwhile... Last night was rough for JetBlue passengers at JFK as the airline is still catching up from the weekend storm. Apparently, so many JetBlue passengers were stuck on planes for so long, it caused some people to allegedly urinate in their seats and suffer panic attacks. So, a regular flight on Spirit. (laughs) That joke's based on a true story. That joke's based on a true story. Meanwhile... In South Dakota, a police officer completed a DoorDash order after arresting the delivery driver. (laughs) The DoorDash driver had an outstanding warrant, so the customer answered the door to find Sioux Falls officer Sam Burr 
with her food. No, I'm not who you're expecting. Um, but Hi. the driver got arrested for <laughs> sanitary care. So I figured I'd complete the door now. Now, thank you, officer. <laughs> Protect and Damn. serve. Come on. Come on. Now, we don't know exactly what the driver did, but it must have been pretty serious because while waiting, the app tracker said your jalapeno bacon chicken wrap will arrive in 15 to 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in drug-related news, marijuana use may cause cognitive impairment even when not still high. Researchers found that many of the learning and memory problems caused by cannabis consumption can linger for weeks, but don't worry about that if you're high right now, because you won't remember it. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you're worried you are beginning to understand too much about the world, good news, there's a plan to put Bitcoin in mouse DNA with a genetically engineered virus. Okay, here's the plan. As you may know, a Bitcoin wallet can only be accessed using its private key, so... They will buy some Bitcoin, then tie the mouse's value to that Bitcoin by editing the mouse's genetic code to carry the private key that controls the Bitcoins. This manipulation will result in genetically engineering the world's first douche mouse. <laughs> you know, long walk. Uh, long walk for a little mouse. It's okay. Uh, little cheese. Let's you through the maze, through the maze. Meanwhile, in Iceland, years after every McDonald's in the country shut down in 2009, their last Big Mac is being preserved as a historical <laughs> artifact. Just look at that thing. That's from 2009. You gotta question your food choice when you can look at it 13 years later and say, you're just as beautiful as the day I met you. <laughs> Apparently, this historic burger was purchased by an Icelander named Jorster Samarsson, one day before the locations closed, then three years later, Samarsson found in his garage a pair of old mice-chewed rollerblades, tools, boxes, and an untouched bag of food from McDonald's. So to recap, mice found a bag of McDonald's and said, you know what, I'd rather eat the rollerblades. <laughs> Though, it does. Mm. Deep-fried rollerblade? Mm. So it does explain why Mickey D's changed their slogan from I'm loving it to recognized as food by at least one species. Coming up, Whoopi Goldberg. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. My first guest tonight is the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award winner you know as moderator of The View. She has just executive produced a new Lifetime movie called Caught in His Web. Please welcome back to The Late Show, our friend and yours, Ms. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Good to see you again. 
and to see you. you again. And you. Now, you made some news this morning. Yes. On The yes, View. Yes, I did. When y'all were talking about the Holocaust. Yeah. And what, what, would you care to uh, follow up? Clarify what you said this morning? I don't know. Because if I, it confused it, some people. It, it upset a lot of people. Yes. Which was never, ever, ever, ever my intention. I okay. thought we were having a discussion. Uh, because I've, I feel, being black, when we talk about race, it's a very different thing to me. Mm-hmm. So I said that I, I felt that the Holocaust wasn't about race. And people got very, very, very angry and still are angry. I mean, I'm getting, you know, all of the, the mail from folks and mm-hmm. the very real anger because people feel very differently. But I thought it was a, a salient discussion because as a black person, I think of race as being something that I can see. So I see you and I know what race you are. And the discussion was about how I felt about that. I felt that, that it was really more about man's inhumanity to man and how horrible people can be to people. And we're seeing it manifest itself these days. But people were very angry and they said, no, no, we are a race. And I, I, I understand, I understand. I, I felt differently. I respect everything everyone is saying to me and I, I you know, I don't want to fake apologize. You know, I, I was, I'm very upset about, that people are misunderstood what I was saying. And so, because of it, uh, they're saying that I'm anti-Semitic and that uh, I'm denying the Holocaust and all these other things which, you know, would never occur to me to do. I thought we were having a discussion about race, which, everyone I think is having. As the white guy in the conversation uh-huh. here, I am, I am neither uh, Jewish nor am I black, and mm-hmm. so I have a different perspective of all of this. Yes. It seems to me that whiteness is a construct created by colonial powers um, during the beginning of colonial imperi- imperialist mm-hmm. era in order to exploit other people, and that they could apply it to all different kinds of people, that idea of race. And the American experience tends to be based on skin. Yes. And so that is what race means to me. Mm-hmm. When you talk about uh, being a racist, I was saying you can't call this racism. This was evil. Mm-hmm. This, wasn't, this wasn't based on the skin. You couldn't tell who was Jewish. Mm-hmm. They had to delve deeply to figure it out. Well, I think one of the reasons why the people might say, and again, I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I am... I'm not Jewish and I'm black, right. but as someone who understands, uh, you know, what I've read of how the op- Nazis operated, when they found out that you were of the Jewish race, right. that's, that's why they'd make you wear a star yes. so they could see you So they could identify you. you. But yes. my point is they had to do the work. If you see... If the Klan is coming down the street mm-hmm. and I'm standing with a Jewish friend and neither one... Well, I'm going to run. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But if my friend decides not to run, they'll get passed by most times because you can't tell who's Jewish. You don't know. It's not something that people say, oh, that person is Jewish or this person is Jewish. And so that's what I was trying to explain. And I understand that not everybody sees it that way and that uh, I did a lot of uh, harm, I guess, to myself. And people, you know decided I was all these other things. I'm, I'm actually not. And I'm incredibly 
uh, torn up by being told these things about myself. And, you know, I get it. Folks are angry. I accept that, and I did it to myself. This was my, uh, my thought process, and I will work hard not to think that way again. Have you, have you come to understand that the Nazis saw it as race? Well, because they might, like, well, asking the Nazis, they would say, yes, it's a racial issue. Well, see, this is what's interesting to me, because the Nazis lied. It wasn't. They, they had issues with ethnicity, not with race, because most of the Nazis were white people, and most of the people they were attacking were white people. So to me, I'm thinking, how can you, how can you say it's about race if you are fighting each other? So... It all really began because I said, how will children, how will we explain to children what happened in Nazi Germany? This wasn't, I said, this wasn't racial. This was about white on white. And everybody said, no, 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 it was racial. And so that's what this all came from. So once again, don't write me anymore. I know how you feel. <laughs> okay, I already know. I get it. And... Uh, I'm going to take your word for it and never bring it up again. We have to take a quick break, uh, but stick around. We'll be right back with more Whoopi Goldberg. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. Goldberg, here you are in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, yes. As Guinan. And now I just found out you're coming back as Guinan in season two yes. of Picard. Yes. Now, <laughs> what, what, made this, what made this part so special? Why would you want to come do this? Because it was the best time I had ever. Really? Yeah, it really was. Uh, Gene Roddenberry gave me a, a wonderful part to do that allowed me to carry on the work of Nichelle Nichols, which was to let little girls, and brown girls in particular, know that there was a place for us in space. Um, and, and now, you know, we come back and Patrick is there, and Patrick looks like Patrick, and I kind of look like I ate the Enterprise. But, <laughs> it's, you know, you didn't see me when I sat down. <laughs> but there's, there's a little more to me than there was last time I saw you. I've eaten a lot. Get in line. Yeah. Get in the COVID line. <laughs> Get in the COVID line. Well, now you've executive produced uh, a movie for Lifetime called Caught in His Web. Yeah. What's it, what's it about? And, and why was this the thing that you wanted to executive produce next? Well, you could do anything. I, I can and do. I do as much as I can. I step and do, and then I step out. So, you know, life goes on. But this was important to me because, you know, one of the things about Lifetime movies is if you're seeing it on Lifetime, it's happened to someone. And this is a story of three young women who find themselves at the mercy of a guy who has gotten into their homes through the web. And 
Like the, spying on them? Yeah, he's watching each and every one of them. And the way he gets into the house is so easy that I, I really wanted people to know that this could be anybody. This could happen to anybody. And it's so frightening and so angering because you think, how can you just come in my house and spy on me and watch me? And it drives these girls to do like, do things to themselves that are awful. It's based on a true story? It's based on a true story. And I, I just, um, I wanted people to know that this is something that could happen out in the world and maybe we could help it not happen to a lot of people. Well, you know, my, my next guest is a, a congressman, Ro Khanna, who has written a book about dignity in the digital age. Yes. About privacy and things like that. So well, watch the show. I will. I will. And he should watch this, and I should say that Garcelle... I have to write everything down, Stephen. Yes. I can't remember any... I can't remember names. I can't, these, I'm not going to tell you. What? <laughs> you now... You want to tell me? Well, just... well, I have to tell you, don't I? Because they're, the, they're in Courtney's web. Please. Okay. Garcelle Beauvais. Who's you know this? Garcelle? She's, she's the detective. Got it. Who really gets it all together. Mm -hmm. And... Puts it down. Did I miss? Did I miss say her name? No, it sounds perfect. Did I say it right? You know, because I like to ask the, the folks over there because they, yeah. <laughs> they know. Did she say the name correctly, John? Yeah, that was Did I say it. it? That was okay. yeah, beautifully done. Great. Sure. And then there's Allison Thornton, and Emma Tremblay, and say this correctly. Malia <laughs> Baker, and they're all they're, All of these young women are really fine and really good in this. And if you get an opportunity, please watch it because it may help you. It may remind you what not to do. Because it's sometimes you have to watch who comes in your house and you know who's fixing what and make sure that you go down and you look and say, oh, that looks so strange. It looks like a camera. <laughs> sometimes it is. So we want you to watch it because we don't want this story to happen to anyone else. Whoopi, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Love to see you. Coming up, Congressman Ro Khanna. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. My next guest is a California congressman and author who served as co-chair for Bernie Sanders' 2020 campaign, taught economics at Stanford, and worked in the Obama administration. His new book is called Dignity in a Digital Age. Please welcome Congressman Ro Khanna. <laughs> congressman, thanks for being here. Uh, the book is Dignity in a Digital Age. And we'll get to that in, in just one moment. But you've been writing uh, since you were in your teens, getting published, too, I might add. Here is you, uh, you uh, schooled George H.W. Bush in the lead-up <laughs> to the first Gulf War. Let me read a couple of these, these uh, clips here that were in and a letter that you sent to the Bucks County, Pennsylvania Courier-Times. 
First of all, why did you want to write uh, about the president and the, the possibility of this impending war? Well, I've long cared about human rights. My grandfather spent four years in jail uh, alongside Gandhi during the Indian independence movement. I mean, your comments about white construction helping colonialism was dead on. And so that influenced me to care about peace and human rights, and I was opposed to going to war just for material reasons. So you're 14 right here. You say, with the animosity between Iraq and the United States escalating, the chances of war occurring increases as each day passes. You go on to say, this is a war that will be brought on because of a materialistic society that evaluates only on the economic aspect. Go on to say, every soldier's life has a priceless monetary value. We should demand full support, both militarily and economically, from all the other nations. We must have no doubts before engaging in war. And so that 14-year-old has a very clear-eyed look about foreign intervention. You're on armed services, right? Now, given the, the Russian buildup on uh, the Ukrainian border, uh, well, we're facing, you know, 30 years later, facing another potential war. Um, what should the United States strategy be versus this uh, either imminent invasion or very dangerous saber-rattling by Putin? Well, first, there's absolutely no justification for Putin to invade Ukraine, and we have to be clear about that. Uh, second, we want to exhaust all diplomatic options, and I think we have some time, hopefully, because I don't think Putin is likely to go in during the Olympics, uh, especially uh, because of his relationship with China. And so the president has made it clear that there will be tough financial sanctions, but he ought to have a diplomatic uh, solution, and actually Ukraine's own president is calling for calm. And I hope he and Secretary Blinken will exhaust the diplomatic solutions, and I think they can avoid war. We have to avoid war. Um, your district... I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, let's get to the book here. Your, your district is home to Apple, Intel, and Yahoo, and your new book, uh, Dignity in the Digital Age, is about how to make tech work for all of us. Um, first question, and I mean this semi-seriously, what is the Internet? <laughs> and I don't it's mean, a, like, series of tunes. Yeah. I mean, what has it become as opposed to what its intention was? Those are the simple questions that are the hardest. But here's how I would define it. Uh, it's a network of computers connected that allow us to communicate, share ideas in a virtual space. I've always thought of it as an agreement between these computers as to how we will communicate with each other, and that the problem now, certainly in terms of privacy, is that some of us are being uh, harvested without our knowledge. So no communication is given to us about the knowledge that is taken from us. I the agreement is one-sided. I completely agree. I mean, and it's compromising your freedom. I mean, think about it. Uh, these people who are running these big tech companies can know what you're going to purchase, they may even be able to know what you're going to think. They may know uh, what you're next going to do based on your data. And they can take your data and get political candidates that you don't support to have an advantage, even if you don't want them to. And that's why I think an Internet Bill of Rights is so important. Uh, Tim Cook has a great Stanford commencement address where he says the freedom to be human is contingent on a respect for privacy. And is pr privacy necessary for dignity? Absolutely. I mean, how can you have a freedom to think, a freedom to be free, a freedom to make mistakes if every single thing you're doing uh, is being collected. And then you know what they do? They collect this information and they target the most vulnerable. I mean, QAnon 
grew because Facebook and other platforms intentionally targeted people with conspiracy theories and led to that growth. And then, you know, Instagram for teenagers, it's like your worst experience in junior high magnified. And it's, it's leading to teenagers, it's serious. I mean, teenagers, depression, teenagers suicide, are committing suicide because of this. They know what's going on and they can stop it. They don't have to have everyone like everything. They don't have to have everyone share anything, and they have to stop the misinformation. I mean, you don't come on this show and spew misinformation. I mean, the whole, think about if you did that, if you'd spent your hour telling lies to the country. Well, why don't you do it? It's not because you fear being sued. It's not because you, you fear some political repercussions. It's because you have some sense that beyond the comedy, beyond the ratings, you've got something you want to do public good. Right? Why should it be different for social media? Maybe you don't. I don't I'm know. checking with my producer. That's why we do it. That is why we do it. He's telling me that's why we do it. You, 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 you write. You write, the dirty secret in Silicon Valley is that Congress will hold a hearing, but nothing changes. But you want to create an Internet Bill of Rights. What's in it? Like, give me, what are the top three things that have to be in that bill to make a difference? Biggest thing is before someone can collect your data, you need to say, yes, you can take the data. So the default is privacy. The default is privacy, and we have to opt in. Exactly. Because right now, the default is they get your data, and you have to click everything to figure out how not to give them your data. Mm. I mean, no one does that. And these user service agreements, I mean, how many people actually read the user service agreement. That's not I read the part that says, I agree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they manipulate it. They, they have dark patterns. They put the box bigger with the right color, so you click on it. I mean, it's a very sophisticated thing. But the very basic is no data should go without your consent. The second part should be that you should know what's happening to your data. And right now, there's no way of knowing. If we had known, then Cambridge Analytica probably wouldn't have happened because nonprofits would have known about it, they would have asked about it, and they wouldn't have allowed Donald Trump or other candidates to use data. But it's offensive that people who didn't support a candidate's data was used against their will to support that candidate. I mean, that's not democracy if your information is being used against your will to support a candidate you don't support. Well, Congressman, thank you so much for being here. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 1135, 1035 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.